Love that. Thank you, Terry Choir, all you wonderful musicians and orchestra, praise band, just for bringing it and using your gifts and abilities to glorify God. Good to see you in a different outfit now. See, we changed that. I'd like to let the folks know when they come for baptism, you have your choice of color of robes, white, white, and white. And uh, they don't laugh either, so it's all right. (laughs) Blessings to you today. We're looking at a series that has to do with Elijah, someone that has put up on a pedestal in the sense that he had someone, it was someone that had extraordinary superhuman powers. Only in the sense that God worked through him did he have that. If you're listening on our simulcast today, welcome. Whether you're around town someplace and not feeling well or at the coast of the mountains, God bless you. Glad you're watching today from Bubba's book of Silly jokes and insignificant information. What gets wetter and wetter the more it dries? Yes, a towel. Some of our young people, see, that'll be on your university quizzes when you graduate. Have that on there, right? All that I learned, I learned in elementary school or kindergarten, I guess. Fact is, we're talking, where does that come into anything? Well, there's going to be a brook that's getting drier and drier that Elijah's going to be sitting on. That's why we're talking about that today. Elijah... One man and his God, stay with me please, a lot to cover today, but I believe God will speak truth into your heart. The Word of God will convict, it will encourage, it will convince, it will challenge you, it will stress you sometimes, it will make you mad at the speaker, I'm just a messenger, or at God himself. But it's okay. It's the living Word. Stay with me as we go. Once again, welcome back to our university students and all of you students heading back to school. I know you're happy, right? I was always blessed for the first three hours of school. Then I wasn't too happy. But anyway, 1 Kings 17.2. We covered 1 Kings 17.1. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand or serve, there should be no rain except by my word these few years. Now, the word of God tells us, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. The bottom line is a lot of people want to see the result first. God says, no, first you obey. First step out and do some crazy thing. Elijah goes before the, well, the most powerful person in his life regarding a human being, and it's King Ahab. King Ahab, the eighth king of Israel, did more evil in the sight of God than all the kings before him, and that's saying a lot. The world was like our world today. The relevance of this message today has to do a lot with our world today. The world has ripped down a lot of standards that one time existed cohabitation is just something that you can do. It's no longer called what the Bible calls it. It's sin and it's wrong. Genders are being re-identified. Marriage is being relabeled. All kinds of things are taking place. There's fights that are taking place with bumper stickers on cars that tell us that the most important thing we need to take care of is the environment. Let me just state, well, I've already shaken a few cages, I know, and some of the people watching in the Castle have already thrown shoes at their screen. Let me clarify a little bit. The environment's important, but it's not our religion. We believe our God created the environment. We're here to protect that as best as we know how, but we believe there's something more important than a tree or anything else. That is not negating the importance of a tree, but it's called a person. And the best news in the world for a person to know is how they can be saved how they can spend eternity in heaven with God. That's why I speak about Jesus. Jesus is the only way to heaven. People have said to me before, and I'll hear it again, you're really narrow. Jesus said the gates to destruction are wide. 
and many go through. And so you can have your wide opinion where everybody's right. The gates of destruction. And that road is wide. Jesus said the road to life is narrow and few follow it. So what road do you want to be on? You can have the applause of people today or you can have the applause of heaven and let the people who don't understand about eternal life and go into heaven, that it's a gift, it's not a religion. We're not here t- telling, trying to talk someone to be a Baptist or join a religion. We're talking about what God Almighty has done, what he came to this earth, took on flesh, died for the sins of the world, and rose three days later. Dear friend, if you haven't received Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, your eternal soul is in peril. Now listen today as we talk about someone that was connected to the God of the universe. We don't believe the universe is God. We believe God created the universe. And here's what took place. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. See, when you're a believer in the true and living God, not just someone has a surface belief, but you really believe in him. First, you go and do what God asked you to do. God told him something that required a lot of courage. In fact, you might say he's kind of dumb doing it. He goes before a king. He could have lost his life right on the spot, or shortly thereafter. But first he obeys. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and then he waited on God's instructions. God may have you doing something very bold right now. This year in your university or in your class or in your workplace, God may be calling on you to do something that's pretty spectacular. Maybe you're the one that's going to stand up when the the discussion's going unbiblically, and you stand up and share a biblical worldview. How crazy is that? Pastor, I might get an F. If you get an F for standing up for the Bible, this church will back up your whatever that class cost. If they write down, you got an F because you thought, we'll back it up. How was that? Where's our treasurer? <laughs> do it. But not just for that. Do it because God says do it. Okay. Somebody had the guts in that day and time to stand up in a world where everyone was saying, you know, worship all the different Baals. They were actually worshiping nature. The sun, the wind, all the things, that the rain. Oh, these are all God. No, they're not God. God created them. Why would you worship the thing when you can, when you can worship the God who created the things? But they're worshiping the environment. And so let's see what happens. First Samuel fifteen twenty two. the word of God says, but Samuel replied, Does God delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. God's looking for people who are willing to obey. Not be excuse makers, not pardon themselves, not wait a little while, not say, what if this happens? Because the bottom line is today, this is part of our motif for today, choosing obedience means choosing consequences. A lot of Christians are uncomfortable with that. A lot of people are uncomfortable with that because, you see, you don't have to choose too many consequences in the world if you say everybody's right. You're an open-minded person. You're not a bigot. You're not a racist. You're not a this or that or another label. You know what you are? If you're a believer, you're a Christian. You're a born-again believer in Jesus. You represent his kingdom. And sometimes that may mean we have to wear the mantle of the world trying to shame us. And we let our fears, we let our own issues get in the way. But God says, I'm looking for some people to obey is better than sacrifice. I'm looking for people who just want to listen, not offer excuses up, to stand in the way. Will somebody 
as today's message, Elijah, one man is God, will somebody stand up for God? Period. Now, as we go forward, there's some things God teaches us. In 1 Kings 17, 3, he wants to teach us along the road of life two things that are very important when you're getting ready to do something even larger than what you saw happen. Remember, Elijah marches into this throne, tells this king what he has to tell him, then God tells him something. He waits on his orders. The word of God says, came to Elijah. God says, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. Seems pretty bizarre. God had him stand before a king. He tells him because Elijah looked in the Bible and found if Israel would disobey, he was going to withhold rain. God made a promise. And so Elijah sees that. He goes to the king and says, I'm going to withhold that. I'm going to claim a promise and believe some crazy thing because God said it and I'm going to stand on God's promise. What about that kind of faith? God's looking for that today. He's looking for people that have that kind of a faith and want to stand before him. Let's see where this place is. Got a map coming up here. There it is. This is the Sea of Galilee. To the south, we have the Dead Sea. You have Judah down here, Galilee up here. And here you have the Cherith Brook. And there's Tishbe where Elijah was born. So in this area right here, this is in that day and time when you'd have traders come up to you and say, we've got the Everglades isn't discovered yet, but this is like this land, except it's even drier and it's hard country in here. This is not where you want to have a picnic, right? It looks like the moon. They could film a moon landing in that land over there. It's in Gilead, and it's not really a pretty, pretty place. But he's in this brook. He's in this crook in this land. God says, go hide yourself there. That's where he is. Bring up the next slide, please. See, in life, most of us are going to have those careth ravines. It's where God sends us to go learn patience and get prepared. See, there's not a whole lot that he can do there, is there? He can't look at his cell phone. They don't have any cell towers out there, right? Uh, he can't watch a television set. There's no people out there. He is there, and he's there, and God called him for patience and preparation. Why? Many times in that place where it looks like nothing's happening in your life, and you're in that brook place, and it looks really lonely. That's a lonely place. God says, I'm preparing you for something great, but I want you to learn some patience. I don't want to prepare you. We're going to look at some of the ways God prepared Elijah in that place that looked like it's kind of a waste of time. Let's go to it. What happens is, before the rain, you see, we wait on our Lord. There is a claim that Elijah makes to the king because he believed God's word But God says in that process, there's times you have to wait. Not everything happens immediately. We'll see that a little bit later in another miracle. But this is a time for Elijah just to be still. Psalm 46.10, it says, be still. It means cease striving. Do you strive over anything? Do you strive over anything? What will my grades be? What do I have to do with my major? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I say something at work? Should I make a jump in work? I go to a new company. Should I date this person, not date that person? There's family things. I've said before, we have some folks in our church right now, family has kind of disassociated from them because they're too narrow. They 
believe the Bible. They believe in the God of creation. It's too narrow for them. They don't want anything to do with them because it comes with all the other things with it. Can you deal with that? Are you okay not to make a God out of family or your friends or your workplace, but to make God God? God says, be still and know that I am God. Cease striving. I'll be exalted among nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But you have to stop striving for the approval of people, for the, the, the things you think are going to make you happy that aren't going to make you happy because they all fade. Cease striving and know that I am God. Now that's saying a mouthful. Know that I'm the creator that's going to do some things you're going to see in just a moment. So Elijah had some preparation. And all he could do, and sometimes we just say, well, all I can do is pray. You can meditate and pray. Meditate on what? You see, transcendental meditation is empty your mind of things and just be filled with perfect nothingness. Be filled with the state of perfect nothingness, right? Isn't that Oklahoma? I don't know. But the state of... Believers aren't to empty their mind. They're to fill their mind. They're to meditate on the Word of God. Get to know God. Talk to God. Take Scripture. Learn it. Hide it in our hearts. And so he's preparing there. There's nothing to do there. I promise you, look on a map, look it up and and, and see where it is where I just showed you. It's pretty desolate. Bring up the next slide, please. Thank you. What God does, he has training for patience and preparation. Then he goes into protection and provision. It says in 1 Kings 17, 4. You don't hear Elijah say, why are you sending me there? There's nothing out there. I know it's there. It's to live right in the area. There's nothing. What? says, you will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. God took care of his food and drink, didn't he? Now, how crazy is that? When you look at it and say, wait a minute, that's pretty crazy. But look, many times inactivity and solitude is where God begins to build that trust. And God's going to build that trust Because drinking from a brook doesn't take a whole lot of faith. Anyone here ever drank from a brook? I remember one of the first brooks I drank out uh, out of in in the Smoky Mountains up years ago. Um, PJ and I were there. And that beautiful thing coming down the mountain, it was cold water. It was really cool. Take a Brooklyn boy and drink out of that brook. That was cool. Use your hand. It was wonderful. Not a whole lot of faith to drink out of it. Well, it depends on the brook, actually. But anyway... But this thing, I have ordered the ravens to feed you. Have you ever seen how God just works because he's the Lord of creation? Have you ever seen? Think about it. Noah's building this ark. It's taking decades and decades to do it. It says he was a preacher of the word. And the only being smart enough to get on that thing were his family, eight of them, and animals. And God fed them even on the ark. You move a little further in history and you see a guy by the name of Jonah. Jonah doesn't want to listen to God. He's rebelling against God. What does God do? He says, I'm going to get a great fish and I'm going to teach you some solitude and some patience. I'm going to protect you in there and I'm going to provide for you in there. Well, how did he do it inside that thing? How could you live inside? Was it dark? Did he eat? Could he breathe? Did he run out of oxygen? Did he have cancer? What did he have? My friend, if that's your biggest question... You're asking the wrong question. It says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We didn't know what he had in there. But God says he was in it. And people that would denounce that is just kind of a story. 
would denounce Jesus because Jesus believed in that and he talked about it. God could have put him inside of a guppy if he wanted to and make it palatial by shrinking him if he wanted to. We're talking God. We're talking the God of the Bible, not some anthropomorphic idea of a God. Say, well, that's, that seemed kind of, I've never said, how could that happen? You're asking the wrong question. The question is, could God do it? And the bottom line is, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? God did it. God used another beast of this earth to do that. Brought him on an ark. He used a giant fish to get someone to get to do something. He did something else with nature. He had a man that decided he was going to be true to God. His name was Daniel. They had some starving lions. They put him in the lion's den, and it says God shut the mouth of the lions. You see what it says here? I have ordered the ravens to feed you. Who do you think shut the mouth of the lions? Who do you think ordered that giant fish to swallow up Jonah? Who do you think called those animals together to get on an ark? We go on and on and on. You see, God can order nature. You know why? He created nature. That's why when we look at it and say, God created, they're the, they're the most unlikely things, creatures, to feed someone else. They, they barely take care of their own young. But he said, I ordered them. And so that order went out. God said, they're going to feed you. Now, Elijah could have said right there, I've seen those things. What are you talking about? I'm not going to that. I'm going to where there's a little bit better food source. But God says, no, I've ordered the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah has an opportunity to learn something because those birds are going to come day and night. He'll have to learn to trust. He'll have to learn that God can order nature because God's going to do some incredible things in nature in a few years from then. You may be in the midst of something right now where God's feeding you some miraculous way. I know God's fed me before through ketchup and through chicken bones and through two-cent deposit bottles. God can take care of his people in other ways. Some of you have seen that. God's provided for you miraculously. The world calls a coincidence. This is not a coincidence. God's taking care of you. Follow him first. He will be a blessing to you. You will drink from that brook. And I'm going to feed you because I've ordered nature to do it in the most unlikely way. And by the way, that very thing that God orders, what if God said, I'm going to have, God could have sent angels to do it, couldn't he? God could have just had a table fall down out of heaven set with all kinds of beautiful food, chick fried chicken, hmm? potato salad, coleslaw, banana pudding for dessert, right? Biscuits, honey. God could, but what is it, what is he doing? You see, that's probably what I would have prayed for. God, let's have that. Let's do that. And then the big omelet breakfast in the morning, you know, have a little angel up there. Would you like some of those peppers in there? Or some of the, some big? No. God says, I'm going to show you in the most unlikely way. Because I've got some really unlikely way I'm going to make a miracle happen. And I'm going to take a nation that's in the middle of idol worship that doesn't give a rip about Jehovah God. And I'm going to change that in one day. But I'm looking for someone that learns how to follow and obey me because it's going to take some guts and it's going to take real belief. Not people that are huddled in a cave, but people who have the fortitude to say, God, I'm going to listen to you. We don't see great things because we don't attempt great things for God because many times we're just not really believers. What are you talking about? I said it a couple of weeks ago, churches are filled with lots of people who were saved, but they're unbelievers. You see, Jesus said, you will see greater miracles when I leave than I did while I was on this earth. 
we believe the word of God? You just gave the answer. Do we believe the word of God? Thank you. And I ask you, have you seen some miraculous things in your life? I'm not talking every day. I'm not talking about birds coming to feed you every day because that was for that. Could God do it again? Of course he could. But what can he do in your school? What can he do in your office? What can he do in your family? There's times you just have to make a stand and say, God, this is it. It falls where it falls. And you have to just trust him. And God will. God will do it if you dare to believe and trust. And if you go through that time where he has, you're given patience and preparation, where you meditate and say, wait a minute, God, you may be calling me something. I'm going to use this time to learn more about you, to talk to you about Israel, to talk to you about myself. Then I'm going to get to that place where there's some protection and provision because you said you'd provide for me. Bring up the next slide. Look what the word of God tells us in Matthew 26, 25 and 26. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you are worried about your life right now? It means every, thank you. There's a hand there. I said, don't raise your hand, but yes. So we have a tendency to worry. What if I lose my job? What if I don't do well in my class? What if I don't get the right major? What if I get fired from work? What if I get a bad medical report? What if my car doesn't, we have all kinds of things. Word of God says, do not worry about your life. What you shall eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is life, what? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. I love that. Jesus is probably saying parenthetically, have you seen me work some cool stuff through them? I use ravens to feed this guy over here, right? Look at the birds of the air. By the way, even those little sparrows, their hearts, when they have to go fly, can beat 760 beats a minute, 12 and a half times every second. Look at the birds of the air. You do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You know why God feeds them? Because they cooperate with God. That's why. They wake up with a song in their heart. They build a house to take care of their young. They hunt, they peck, they look, they're wise. And then they sing a little song of praise to God on a branch someplace. God didn't complicate it. He's looking for other people to cooperate with him. Will you stand up and cooperate with me, God? wants to look for people that will do that. Look at this next passage. I've ordered the ravens to feed you there. Why ravens? I said earlier, they have people study birds, know about these different things. By the way, they're unclean birds in the, New, in the Old Testament. They're unclean birds. But God can do things that, he can order because he created nature once again. And he's rebuked Israel by the obedience of lesser creatures. Even right here, a rebuke to Israel. You think you have other gods and you have this God of the sun and the God of weather and wind and rain and all that. I'm the one that orders nature. And I'm going to have somebody and no one else is going to see it except for Elijah. I'm going to have somebody there, and I'm going to feed them that way. I'm going to use these lesser creatures to be a blessing to someone that will at least obey me, that will be a believer, not an unbeliever. And so God's sovereignty extends over nature, and God can do that today if he so chooses. We seek his will, his face, his precepts, his principles, and what happens is 
We choose obedience. And by choosing obedience, here's the part we don't, well, really care much about. Choosing obedience means you choose consequences. So what if that does happen? What if they do ridicule you out of a class? What if you do lose your job because you have an opinion that is not the world's opinion? Either for you, Pastor, your children are grown and gone. Listen, it never stops. It never stops. The world is out there, and the world does not get what we're about. But the world is looking for some people that have some fortitude to stand forward and say what they really believe. It's looking for some people. There's still some out there say, do you back up what you believe in real faith? Do you? Are you willing to put it on the line when it's just your name on there? God's looking for people like that. Elijah was such a person. See, God can take care of those who are faithful to him in the middle of nowhere. Have you ever felt like you're in the middle of nowhere? Can't decide this. This is going wrong. This is not right. You feel uncomfortable. God says, stop striving and know that I'm God. Just be faithful to me. You see, God fed Elijah through the most bizarre caterers ever. Think about it. You know, I know some of you may be planning weddings out there. We've got a few out there. Have some coming up this fall and winter. Did you call ravens to cater that event? Right? Like some, God, can you order some ravens to do that? Not a bad idea. There you go. Be cheaper, wouldn't it? God can do things like that. God hasn't lost power. Next slide, please. See, once you begin in the process of learning patience to trust God, and you learn to get prepared for that through meditation and prayer, God continues to take you down roads. He says, I'll give you my protection and my provision. It may not come the way you want. I don't know if Elijah said, you know, I really like ravens to feed me. God decided that, and he ordered nature to do it. You see, the big thing isn't about so much what he drank or what he ate. The big thing is what God did for him. God said, I know what you need. I know the prayer you prayed. And sometimes the answer to a prayer doesn't come in that next second. It takes some time. He said, in these next few years. So let's see what happens here in 1 Kings 17, 5 and 6. Notice this first part of this verse. So he did what the Lord had told him. If you have to have an epitaph, that's not bad, right? On your urn or your condominium box, whatever you're in, right? So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. We looked at that where that is. And the other thing is he stayed there. Let me just throw this in right here. It's free, right? You'll be tempted sometimes in the middle of loneliness, in the middle of being in a place that's uncomfortable, to want to leave it. If God has you there, stay there. And sometimes God just leaves us there, doesn't he? Sometimes results from tests don't come back in five minutes. Sometimes when the company's getting ready to shut down in the next year or cut some jobs, you don't know if it's going to be you do you? Sometimes when you go out and there's weather like happened this past weekend, people got struck by lightning. I think it was at a golf course in Atlanta. Did you ever play on that golf, golf course, by the way? No? All right. Just wondered. Because it hits tall people first. You know that. That's why that. <laughs> I'm sensitive to that. 
go out there with an umbrella, you might as well just write your will right there, right? God wants you to participate, then give you his peace. He did what the Lord had told him to do. And it didn't sound very humanly smart, did it? Go by a, a, a desolate place and let ravens feed me? But he knew something about God. See, when you believe in the God of creation, you believe the raven could, could feed you. You see no argument here. God, are you serious, ravens? Come on. Come on. Send me some chicken. I'll eat those things. I don't want a raven to feed me. And you'll get the peace of God to pass on understanding. But he went there, it says. He went to the Karis Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Can you imagine? Morning, you wake up. You're looking out at the horizon. What are you looking for? Don't, I know the sun, but that's something else. Waiting to see if there's some birds flapping that way. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Can't look at my watch. They haven't been invented yet. Nothing yet. (laughs) Nothing yet. And lo and behold, in the distance, looks like some little dark spots. Bigger, bigger, bigger. And here comes the food. What a beautiful, glorious thing. And every day in the morning and every night, somebody had to know that God would provide that. What's he learning in that preparation and in that patience where he has God's protection and provision? He's learning to trust. It's raining today. No, it's not. Birds will come. The birds came and brought him that food. What? You see, he did what the Lord told him and he stayed there. And they brought him that each day. He had to learn to trust in the morning and in the night and then get up the next day. Will it happen again? Look at this. When God calls you to a task, he provides the strength and means to accomplish it. He's called me. He's called you to be light, salt, a witness, disciples, and people who obey him. Obeying is better than sacrifice. He calls us to be those kinds of people. Up the next slide. I said, choosing obedience means choosing consequences. And so right here, right now, some of you, I have no doubt, are in the middle of a place you have to choose a consequence for saying something. Some of your families aren't going to like it. Some of your friends aren't going to like it. Some of your professors aren't going to like it. Some of your coworkers may not like it. But then again, some may. Some may say, Wow. I see some conviction there. Not just a churchgoer, but a believer. I see something there. And maybe God will use you to bring about some kind of revival in a workplace or a university or a high school or middle school because you dared to believe. You stood up in the midst of that when everyone else was zigging, you're zagging and you're going with God. And it says sometime later, the brook dried up. You need water to live, don't you? So what's been happening? Going, flowing pretty good at first. Getting less, getting less, getting less. Now on my knees, I'm scooping up a little that's left. And what looked like a negative was really positive. Because what did it mean? Duh. God, I asked for it not to rain. Here's my sign. Except now I'm going to die. 
because I need water. I ask for it not, but where God leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides, right? God's not going to leave him where there's no water. He is the spring of living water. He's going to take him where there is some water. So what looks like a negative many times in our lives, what's happening here? I didn't want to have to take that course or go over there or see that person or be caught in the middle of dilemma in my family or my life. I don't like that. I don't like choosing consequences because I'm obedient. But that's just how it is. And some people hated Jesus and some people may hate you. and may hate me. It's part of it. You choose consequences. The other side of it is some people may really like you and respect you and see you as light and someone different. You see, Elijah didn't have all the respect of everyone initially, did he? But how about, how about when some great things happened? How about that? Everyone's probably hating on him now. It's not raining. The crops are drying up. We're dying here. Our cisterns are getting dry. But there came a day where people said, man, that person believed God's word. He claimed that. Let's see what else can happen. So what is belief? What is it really about? So we can dismantle all the garbage, all the excuses, everything else. Here's what belief is. In verse 3, he doesn't dodge most trying demands. He says, leave from here and go to this desolate place. He does. In verse 4, belief isn't diminished by what seems improbable. I'm going to feed you with ravens. Well, I can't figure this thing out, so I won't do it. Dear friend, if you think faith is being able to figure things out and then you do it, then you don't know what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God said, I'm going to feed you by the ravens. He could have fed him by ants if he wanted to. God can do it, and belief isn't diminished by what seems improbable. Could that really happen on our campus, in my workplace, and my whatever? Not diminished than that. And it's quick to obey. It says, he got up and he went. He listened to God. Didn't make excuses. Remember I said a few weeks back, postponed obedience is rebellion against God. Bring up the next slide. Verse 6, belief reaps the fulfillment of God's promises. Have you ever seen birds feed people day after day? You see, he could have rationalized, and said, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll go to this place where I got family real close to that in Tishbe. I'm going to go there. No, he goes there, and he got to see. And I imagine it became quite a joyous thing began to learn on God the first few times, wondering, is that food going to be there? Then day after day, he got to see birds bring him different things. And who know what God ordered for him? I don't know. God may send a hot dog with some chili. I don't know what he had. But he sent him some good stuff, and he saw he reaped the fulfillment of a promise of God. Not only just the food. He reaped the fulfillment because what happens to the brook? Elijah knew. God's heard that prayer. This, this sucker's drying on up. It's drying up. There's been no rain. This thing always runs. I'm from this area. It always runs. It's never been like this. It's dried up. And let me tell you something else. Belief understands the signs along the way. Your brook may be drying up. It looks like, man, what's going on here? I'd say, I'm answering your prayer. You wanted to be more like me, didn't you? But you wanted it without consequences. I'm sorry. Not how I work. 
there's always consequences because when you choose obedience, there's consequences. But many times we look on the negative part of that. There's some great consequences. There's some great consequences. The initial consequences of people that witnessed to me was being tossed back at them as dirt, filth, disregard, cynicism, and I made fun of them, all right? Not a good immediate response to the gospel, but here I am. I'm a believer, and here you are. And there's a world out there looking for someone, looking for you to be that person in that world. As pastors come forward right now, you have to choose consequences if you're going to choose obedience. It comes with it. Remember the other side of the coin is God has some great things he wants to do if we dare to believe. But don't think you're going to get there without detesting first. First, you have to have some patience. You have to have some preparation. God will give the provision and the protection. Then you'll get to the place where you watch God really work and you will see the peace of God that falls upon you because only God can do what God can do, period. And he can even, he's the Lord over nature. So today, if you would make a simple prayer like this, God, I still have my be a guest of card in my purse wallet in the office. God, I pray this week, I'm going to be listening to you and willing to pass it out. Did you know that over 90% of people that don't attend a church start to attend one because someone what? It starts with an I. Invited them. Maybe it's you. What will be the consequence? Someone looks at it and spits on it and throws it down. So be it. Pick it up. They thank you anyway. Bless them. Reach out because that person may just come. And I see them back there week after week because you invited them. Dare to give out one. Be a blessing. Commit a random act of, of kindness with it. Pay for someone's coffee in front of you. Use, let God use you in a crazy good way. Stand up in a class. Stand up in a workplace. If you don't have a church home yet, I'll make this very quick. Every believer needs a local church home. I don't pass. I can worship God in the woods. Absolutely. You can worship in the bathroom, in the woods, wherever you want. But God says, don't forsake together the coming together of yourselves. Because there's accountability here. We have people in the United Nations right here. What do you mean United Nations? Anyone can come from any ethnicity. We don't divide over pigment of skin, age, or where you're from. We're the church. One race called people. And we'd love for you to come to be part of our church, not a religion, but part of a belief in what Christ has already done, a relationship with Jesus. And it's free. And friend, with all due respect, the road to destruction is wide and the devil himself wants you to be comfortable in that. Be comfortable in it. I'm a, I know you have your way, Joe, and not my way, it's the Bible's way. I want you to be uncomfortable if you haven't done that yet, not because I don't like you, because I want you to understand what Christ has done for you. God won't send you to hell, friend, but you'll send yourself there by rejecting what he's already done. Receive him today. He wants to be your Lord and your Savior. Whatever your decision, I'm going to ask you to stand. This is a time of transparency. Let God speak to you. Come forward and pray alone. Pray with a deacon or pastor. We want to hear what God's doing in your life. Terry, you come and you lead us.